1: Hey everybody, Steve Pony from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. I'm joined this week by James Cratch. Keith Sargent has a well-deserved week off. Cratch, how you doing? I'm excellent, Steve. How are you? I'm doing all right. We got some got some new microphones here. To test I know, them out. stepping up. I mean it. It looks professional. Uh, it certainly it's, it's it looks like a microphone. I feel I'm encouraged by it. You can't see it, I know, because this is radio or podcasting. But we're uh, we're excited to give it a try. So this has been a wild month for college football. And, you know, I don't know how you feel about Cratch when you're watching what's going on in sports right now. I, I feel like half the time, I'm in a different reality than the rest of the country. And, and this, this is the point that crystallized it for me that we, it seems like we are spending more time debating and arguing and looking for answers for the big 10, for the big 10, because they decided to postpone football during a pandemic instead of looking for the same answers from the SEC, which is charging on to play college football during the pandemic. And a great example is a headline yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, but I guess on the campus of Alabama and Tuscaloosa, there were 500 positive tests down there It's just, I mean, it's just amazing, you know, to think that, uh, that they're still charging ahead. Like this is going to happen. And and college football is, is essentially just divided in half. I mean, what, What's your take on what you're watching out there right now? It,
0: I just think it's, it, it's kind of amazing to me that, and look, I understand that Kevin Warren, Big Ten Commissioner, was far from the perfect you know messaging when it comes to the decision to postpone the fall season. I think a lot of blame needs to be put on the ADs because they had no plan for spring right. football, winter football whatsoever, and everything I've heard is basically, every anytime anyone mentioned the idea of, hey, maybe we should talk about what we do if there's no fall season, it was just kind of like ts- we're not doing this right yeah. no. now um, you no know. that and that being and look the big ten fourteen you know fourteen of the nation's best you know research institutions that's what i come back to the big 10 has considered itself it's the oldest conference in america it considers itself to be the shining city on the hill in college football these massive research institutions academic powerhouses everyone's in the aau except for nebraska and you know to, to be out to be fair nebraska they were in but then they, I, their medical school's not on campus so they weren't eligible they had to leave but but even then well, The idea that the Big Ten, you know, the fans, the parents, the the Homer media members in some college towns are basically doctor shopping. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, like, our experts say it's probably not safe to play, but the guy at LSU says it is. It's That's just amazing. like – it's it's like, oh, a plastic surgeon at West Virginia thinks we can play. Let's go with him, you know. Like, the the idea that, like, oh, Michigan's still going to try to play. That Michigan – president is an immunologist if you can stay president is an epidemiologist they're not
1: gonna play football guys right and they look at the search for answers like so kevin warren did a did a poor job we can all yes. agree in the first big 10 press conference <laughs> getting grilled by the guy in his own network you're like oh come on you can't this is i mean this is like you know trump going on oan You I mean you can't you can't get this interview right you've got you've got issues um but but you know, after that, he, you know, they, they came up, and they explained it. The answer is pretty simple. It's, it's the coronavirus. Like we, there's no other, we're not searching mm-hmm. for something else that's, you're looking for something that's not there. They, they've just decided that trying to do the logistics. And again, the logistics are far different in college football with a hundred players on rosters and traveling to different cities and, you know, and back in the dorm setting where we're seeing just incredible flare-ups across the country, they they've decided the logistics are not. Good enough and the health health reasons the concerns are 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 valid, so for me, when I see that, if you're a parent, you say, "Okay, of course, you know." But then you see what's happening. Now, even the ACC, to me, which is amazing, when you see North Carolina had to shut down its campus down there. You know, they decided that it's not safe. They had so many outbreaks in different dormitories. It's not safe to have students on campus. And the reaction from Mack Brown, the football coach, was, well, that's good. We get rid of the students. We'll have a better chance to play football. I mean, the, the idea, just the whole thing about college football being, being an average sport, just throw it out the window. It's just garbage. I mean, there's no – That model is broken.
0: And and look, I agree with the people that say that the Big Ten should do what the Pac-12 did and let let the doctors talk on the record and, you know, put out the full reports. I think there should be greater transparency. It's 13 public schools, you know, in Northwestern. But that being said, I don't know why people are surprised by the lack of transparency because these schools wouldn't even tell us – what the testing results were, a lot of them, right. I mean, R- Rutgers wouldn't, I mean, Rutgers wouldn't even really confirm what teams besides the football team and the men's basketball team were actually on campus, yeah. you know? So like, it just, yeah, it was like a, who's on first game. So I don't think anyone should be surprised that the big 10 hasn't had transparency because honestly they didn't make their schools be transparent. And the, and I think that another issue too, was that the range of, you know, Northwestern shut the entire football program down because they had one, Turned out to be false positive Meanwhile Illinois A couple of hours away came out and said Like we had 27 kids test Positive at one time or another and we never Stopped practicing right. so I think it's it's tough in that Sense But you're absolutely right you know the The ACC schools have basically said Admitted and I you know, I know the SEC is not going to start until late September, but I have to imagine one of those schools is going to is going to shut it down at some point. But look at Conference USA; they they postponed <laughs> okay, every to. fall sport but football. But football,
1: I know, it's yeah. just so amazing. It's, just, it's amazing. What must those kids think? <laughs> uh, all right, so we heard we finally heard from Greg Ciano, Um, You know, it's been a week, but I think it's worth revisiting. Uh, you know, unlike a lot of his counterparts, there was no pounding on the table or grandstanding or anything like that. I don't think that should surprise anyone who. Who who knows Chiano and knows what he's about? Um, I do think it's clear, though, reading between the lines and listening to his answers, that he agrees he agrees with the decision. Um, and the one thing he said, and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued about this part of it because we have to look at this going forward now for for his program. That you know he was very uh, secretive, a little secretive, a little coy about how he plans to use these next five months. You know, it's clear he's given this a lot of thought. I think in a lot of ways it fits perfectly into his wheelhouse. You know, like if you're going to look and look back on Shiano's first 11 years here, you loved him from, you know, from Sunday to, you know, Saturday morning and then Saturday afternoon, you had some frustrations. Uh, you know, it's just the way he builds programs. He's got a lot of time now. And as you point out, I thought it was a very fascinating uh, look at what the, the rules are going to be now for the scholarships and all of that. It really could, could work to his advantage.
0: No, definitely. I I think that, you know, he basically is going to bring in two freshman classes before he plays a game, even if they play in January. And I think that, you know, the, the spring season, if there is a spring season, a winter season, is a freebie, basically. Like He's never going to come out and say this, but especially if the Big 12 and the you know SEC and the ACC keep on the tracks and, and play the season and there's a college football playoff, we're basically talking about a couple of glorified scrimmages. Yeah. And he can truly treat that as a completely obviously, you know, you're going to try to play to win and, you know, and he can, you know, look, we discussed it before the season got postponed. They're looking at 0 and 10 with that Big Ten only schedule. It's probably not going to be much better if they play in January, but they can just focus on player development. You know, everyone's like, who's going to win the quarterback battle? The quarterback battle might be eight games in the winter. This kind of set a leader for, for the fall 2021 camp. You know, you can play a lot of kids, you know, young guys. You can play guys who are kind of on the bubble, and you don't know if they're going to help you out long-term or not. And I think with the with the ad, with the scholarship rules, with the fact that you're going to ha- raise the limit, that guys get the free year, it's going to encourage more guys, I think, who are maybe not going to play as much to move on, you know, especially since now they've got a extra year to go play with you might have a lot of guys who were not going to play but now they can finish up get their degree and go someplace with a year or two years to, to play you know, at a different level or a different school and then that frees up scholarship space and we know that Chiano has proven he's a master of manipulating the numbers to get as many kids in each class as he can so I think it's a chance for him to kind of really we thought he was going to turn over the roster significantly and he has but now he can truly turn the roster over and frankly if he does everything right with a little bit of luck I think this could be a bowl team in twenty twenty one.
1: Wow, that's that's quite
0: fall of twenty twenty one. Obviously I think the spring still gonna be rough no matter what happens. But again, all the pressure's off the 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 first season now because it's gonna be this weird kind of unprecedented alternative season
1: that (laughs) doesn't even count towards eligibility. Do you, this, do you think this is really going to happen? And, and people are bullish on it. And I, I've seen that now. And there's talk that, you know, of course, we've discussed it on this podcast that, that the TV networks are going to love to have some Big Ten football when, you know, when the NFL season especially is over. But the problems that – the obstacles that stood in the way of having it in September – really aren't going to be gone in January. You know, the, the heart issues are, are still, that was mm-hmm. a big reason. They're, you know, the vaccine, there's no, there's no sign that, you know, that's going to be readily available. I mean, do you think that they're going to play in, in in the spring based on what you've seen?
0: I do for a couple of reasons. One, I think that if the other schools, you know, and the other conferences match to play in some form, there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure on the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to play. You know, I think the hope is that you know we're we've made advancements against this virus by then. But then again, when you when they canceled the NCAA tournament in March, I never would have thought we'd be sitting here. Right. Um, you know, I think the, the third thing is it, it's. I mean, it could split everything in college sports, but it's about the money. <laughs> you know, I, I was I did talk to a, a sports lawyer um, for. His, QAM at doing NJ.com in the next couple of days. And he said that, you know, the way these TV contracts work is that uh, the networks, you know, ESPN, Fox, whoever, they give the conference a big chunk of the money up front. And then usually they get there's a chunk of the money at midseason. And then sometimes, sometimes it's two payments, sometimes it's three installments. Well, the thing is, the Big Ten maybe has gotten some of that money already, but when there's no games played, Fox and ESPN have every right to go. Rebate time we, we get our money back So if they have that money in hand I tend to think they're going to do Everything they can to keep as much money As they can flowing And to present those games I mean look I know Bill Moose and Nebraska AD who We've been talking about a lot on this podcast Lately had this idea of well I think America's going to be tired of college football I mean come on Bill Like <laughs> yeah. I don't like the The idea like whatever the XFL Ratings were before that got shut down because of the pandemic. I think the Big Ten games are going to beat that.
1: Oh, Of course.
0: It's, of course they are. I mean, and it's... then at that point, it's like, which would, what do you think ESPN would rather have? Uh, like Ohio State-Michigan on a, on a Saturday afternoon or like Nuggets magic? Right. I think yeah. they're going to take that. So I, I thought that was a little bit silly. But, again, I think it's going to come down. And, then like, the dome idea, I, I get it but I also don't get it because you're going inside and obviously if they go with this dome approach, there's not going to be any fans in the stands. And I guess that, you know, but I also feel that, They're so desperate to play basketball Which I'm sure we'll get to in a second That they're already thrown out this idea of bubbles And I feel like once the basketball takes the jump And the the bubble happens Then football's gonna try to do it So yes, I do think they will play I don't think they're gonna play a a full season I would guess six to eight games And maybe, you know, you you have the Big Ten title game And maybe the Big Ten champion And the Pac-12 champion play in the Rose Bowl Although the Rose Bowl probably already was played And then you kind of go from there Because I do think that no matter matter what everyone all the stakeholders do want a real
1: 12 game normal football
0: season in fall of 2021
1: so the bubble thing it's fascinating that that's where i was going to go next and you know it, it again amazes me that of course like these ideas these outside the box ideas are coming from coaches and even fans and, and they're not coming from the NCAA, of course, but uh, Kevin Willard, I mean, this, you know, coach had an idea, Jerry Carino for, give him credit for, from uh, our competitor, Gannett, uh, wrote a column just about what he thought would be one way of handling this. Uh, I think Steve Peichel has talked a little about this, you know, and, and it's the idea you can't possibly bubble a college basketball team for four months, No, but if you do it, if you do it smartly and you have, you know, you, you, you have different, the uh, levels of it, different, you know, time periods of it. I mean, there are, there are ways to do this. No, there there are
0: definitely ways to do it. And I, I think that, you know, the way I, I believe John Wilner from the Mercury News wrote about the Pac-12, it was the, the idea that, you know, let's say it's you, you get a plane and you put the USC and UCLA men's and women's basketball teams and then you fly out to Oregon and you're going to basically play over a week, you know, you're round Robin or USC and UCLA, both their basketball teams are going to play both of their games against Oregon and Oregon state. And you're just going to knock them all out in a week. And then you send everyone home and then you kind of take a couple days off and then, you know, Washington and Washington State come to USC and UCLA the following week and you play all the games around again. I do think you can do that. You could send four big, you could send Maryland, Penn State, and Ohio State to the rack and everybody plays six games and then goes home in a week. You know, you could do something like that. I think you can bubble the NCAA tournament. I don't think that would be too big of an ask. You know, you might have to do it all in one central place. And a place like Indianapolis probably could handle that because if you think about it, you're going to be kind of kicking half the teams out every other day. Uh, But I don't think you can do a full season bubble. But I don't think they're going to try to do that. I think they're just going to try to be smart. Potted up. Um, obviously, the Pac 12s already made the decision. They're not going to play until January 1st. I think that was a little bit early. I thought the Big Ten was going to go that direction, but they decided not to. But I, at the same time, too, I just feel like I do think the NCAA will be more involved just because they can't have a second straight year without March Madness. Right. Right. Like, yeah. th- that, that, like I know people said football, not having football is Armageddon, and it <clears> may be, <throat> but like, you truly are, it's an extinction level event if there's no more NCAA tournament
1: this coming year. The problem is you're still talking about college students, and I, and I understand that, all right, the, you know, the Rutgers hasn't had a positive test yet. They've managed to, you know, the fact that they can be sort of isolated in, in their facility to a degree away from things, the kids aren't on campus, it, it, makes a, it makes a big difference, but so many work, so many moving parts. And it only we've, we've learned this. It only takes one. It only takes one. Yeah. It's a very fragile,
0: thing. it's a very fragile kind of it, it bubble environment. And, you know, I, I think the, the, but the big key is going to be like, when we get to November, where is it testing at? You know, do we have reliable antigen tests? Does this new saliva test at Yale with the NBA, is it, you know, can you kind of crank it out? Because I do think if you can kind of crank out all these tests and test repeatedly and test quickly, you've got a shot at this. But if we're sitting here in November and things really haven't changed, and we're sitting here in January and things really haven't changed. You, you, they're really in trouble. Right, right
1: all right let's move on to some Rutgers insider questions as always we appreciate you guys subscribing nj.com text nj.com text you get our exclusive insider stories as well it's the best deal in journalism right now that's what i can call it because i'm biased of course um a lot of good ones and i this i want to lead off with this one because i do think it is a fascinating discussion if jim delaney was still the commissioner of the big 10 would things have been handled differently? And it's it's funny because you know I, I've talked to people around uh, the league who have asked that same question. Even one of them presented the was said to, said to me why why couldn't they have just brought him in as you know as a consultant? <laughs> Which is of course impossible because he is such a towering figure in in the history of college athletics. I, I do believe certainly. If he was involved in this, you would not have had what you saw in the days after the decision with Nebraska talking about trying to find a schedule and Ohio State even walking halfway down the driveway looking around seeing if there's someone that could play. I mean, I don't think you would have had any of that nonsense because of just, you know, just who who he is as a figure in the, the league's history would they have come to a different decision what do you think
0: no i think they were to come to the same decision my guess is that the messaging would have been better and i think that frankly jim delaney would not have allowed the presidents and chancellors to hide behind him right you know these guys would have had to come out and explain their vote you know i think that's i think one of the biggest issues we are facing with the big 10 is that you have ad's and presidents and chancellors that know that the right decision was probably to postpone the season, but they don't want their fans and boosters to know that they said that. You know, I think that's, the, that's the big issue. You know, even though, uh, you know, one of the things that's fascinating about all this coverage out of Nebraska and Ohio State is, Nebraska, your doctor is the chairman of the task force. What does he think? And I think someone asked for his comment, and he deferred to the Big Ten, of course. And everything is, you know, like the Ohio State president – Said through a spokesman that she wasn't going to vote to, um, you know, postpone the season, but no one will actually say what the vote was. That's, I think, the issue. I think the issue is this was like probably a 13 to one vote with only Nebraska abstaining, but nobody, they see the
1: temperature of the reaction and they don't want people to know that they were on that side of course of course i do think another thing delaney would have helped with there would not have been the the lack of communication with the other conferences i think that you know certainly i think you you read a lot of stories about how you know the sec the acc the big 12 they were not happy with uh the big 10 going to a conference only schedule when it did you know i I have to imagine that the fact that delaney you know was such a leader for the entire sport that 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 wouldn't have been an issue uh all right some more some more interesting a lot here's a, is a recruiting question. Um. Should we read into anything the fact that Greg Schiano hired the coach at St. John's, St. Joe's of Montvale, which has two of the top players in the state? One just committed to Michigan State, and the other may follow. Is this a problem for Augie Hoffman? It's an interesting question. Certainly, you know, I think when you saw that, when you saw that hiring cratch, you expected that it would be the kind of thing that happened with Chris Partridge, where his best players would would kind of follow him to Michigan, like that happened, you know, with Rashon Garrett it hasn't happened in this instance I mean what do you make of that
0: I don't think it's a problem I I think that look and we kind of went through this with Nunzio Campanelli when when Chris Ash hired him just because these guys are on the staff does not mean that all of these kids are just going to follow you know I, I think it's very and look you know some. As I, as I said, like, you know, if the first chair basis wants to go out of state, no one freaks out, or the science, you know, the, the valedictorian class, you know, some kids just want to go someplace else for college, and I think that's, that's okay, and, you know, the other thing, too, is that you know, we can say, you know, Augie, yes, he coached him in high school, and he, you know, he wouldn't even be his position coach at Rutgers, but you know, it's up to the head coach to close. We always Everyone right. said that all the time when, when, when Rutgers not recruiting well under Ash, it's the head coach's job to close. Well, same thing. Now, look, I think this is the one thing Rutgers has going for it. Gino Vandermark committed to Michigan State. Sounds like Audric Esteem might head that way. If this was under Ash, it'd be over. I think it's very clear that Chiano, if he wants the kids, is going to be in it till the end, and he's got a very good chance to flip them when it's all said and done. But I just think it's a pandemic. You know, at Todrick Hunt. You know, if you're if you're a Rutgers uh, insider subscriber, you know, he texted. He thinks that Rutgers still has a very good chance to kind of win this in the end to flip them. I think it's something that, you know, it's, it's, minor, it's a setback right now if they stick on it. You know, let's see what happens when early sign day comes and if, if kids can go visit. You know, that's the thing. We, we went to, Sarge and I went to Michigan State in uh, 2018, the last game of the season there. Uh, it was a cold, dreary place. Yeah, you know, right. so that, if, if somehow he gets to go visit Michigan State in late November, he might have a shot to, to you know, Seattle might have a shot here.
1: Right. That's a good point. And the fact, and I will say, you know, I, I do believe you, you can't take one or even two athletes and draw any conclusions, but the fact that it's Michigan state, you know, they are, you know, new head coaches themselves. This is, you know, a completely different stat. This is not the same program that was, you know, that was there five years ago. It's a little different than if the kid went to Ohio state. This is a, another question that on the same topic. Chris, it's interesting. Is there, there a correlation to be made that the, the defensive side from a recruiting standpoint is just better than the offensive side? And it's interesting because, I, I mean, you look at some of the guys they did hire on the offensive side, uh, you know, and meanwhile, on the defense side, we all know, you know, when you've got, you've got Fran Brown and you, you've got the people, Jim Panagos, you've, you've got guys who are certainly proven recruiters who have already you know or earn, earned their salaries doing that part of the job does that matter
0: I, I mean I think there's something to that but at the same time you know let's be fair to Sean Gleason and Andy Ork and Nunzio and Augie that offense has been the worst offense yeah. in the country for years now and they haven't had a, a spring practice even to bring a recruit in and have them see what they're doing
1: <laughs> it's yeah. I went back and read. Gradually, since Liberty was in the news, I went back and read what we wrote when Liberty came up here to play, and it was like there was some. I, I had I had a nugget that, you know, that they had thrown a pass. You know, that was – that Johnny Langer threw a pass that was like 47 yards and it was more passing yards than they had in the previous two games combined. And yeah, you, I mean – You just forget. You just forget. Like, oh, my God, that happened. Like, it was just – that's how – I mean, really was historically bad over the last few years.
0: Yeah, no, so I, I think that's part of the issue. It's just that, you know, they've been so bad on offense and, you know, these are some, you know, not necessarily brand-name coaches. I mean, but then again, it's like – the other thing, too, is that everyone always says, you know, the offensive coordinator isn't necessarily like your, your ace recruiter at most places. So, I think it's that. I mean, I think that it's entirely possible that, yes, if you, if you look at the whole sum of the parts, the defense is head of the offense in terms of recruiting. But once this team plays and they show some life, life signs on offense and they look exciting, Rutgers would hope, I think maybe things snap snap up a little bit for the offense.
1: Can I tell one more Liberty joke? Yes. So I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I can't give the credit to have whoever tweeted this at me or whoever I saw it, but I guess someone on one of the Rutgers message boards asked the question, did Jerry Falwell Jr. come to the game in Piscataway or did he just watch? I thought that was...
0: <laughs> you know, I was actually I thinking thought that was about pretty good. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this. Like, what would the funniest and this probably is a great podcast topic. And if people should text us, if you're nj.com slash tech subscriber, also nj.com subscribe if you want to subscribe to the entire website. And then – or tweet at us. What would the funniest four-team college football playoff be this year? Like, if at the end of the year there's only four teams left playing in the country. Yeah. So, I figure it's like like the winner of the Army-Navy game is one. I figure the SEC champion and the runner-up because – you know they're gonna right. play, but like like liberty could be the last team left on the road
1: could be yeah could, yeah absolutely like absolutely.
0: a liberty b y u playing game
1: <laughs> <laughs> something else, oh gosh, yeah, I brought back a lot of memories and I remember yeah. I wrote not why are they playing liberty and I got some angry emails about that, but uh clearly i i i i don't i feel I feel pretty good about by
0: that by the way, the a c c how dumb do they look when they they come out and they basically say that you know your your non-conference game has to be at home or in your own state? So Notre Dame can't go to Navy, but they're okay with Liberty, uh, which basically is not testing anybody going up to Syracuse. It's just, just ridiculous! I not believe
1: how is that? I mean, and they, they're playing. They weren't even smart enough at, at the SEC to at least postpone the start. They're playing in I think like I two and a half weeks.
0: And uh, uh, but what about Syracuse? Like you it's have
1: not on campus.
0: I know, I know. It's, it's. You know, uh, these guys don't want to face a triple option, but you have the safest college football team in America down yeah. the road that needs help, that needs games. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Army would rather play you than Abilene Christian, oh, which.
1: Gosh. Uh, Armies, yeah, Army National Championships. All right, some, some, more, uh, some more questions from uh, from Rutgers Insiders. Again, thank you, NJ.com Text, for for diving into it. A lot, a lot of recruiting questions about what this whole pandemic means for that aspect of it. Uh, for the future, does recruiting become a red state, blue tape state type of thing? I certainly think Greg Shiano can sell the we put the safety of your kids above everything else. But as we've seen, there are some recruits and parents who will say football is more important. You know, I do wonder about that, what's going to happen if the SEC is in fact playing and it does go, you know, somewhat according to plan, if that is going to make it harder for, for, for Shiano or anybody in the Big Ten or Pac-12 to appeal to recruits. What do you think?
0: I mean, I guess it could. But what I, what I would say is that, you know, how many times is Greg Shiano going head-to-head with the SEC for recruits? Sure. with the exception of the one or two you know, big-name guys in New Jersey. I think the bigger issue for you know, a guy like Greg Schiano is that what happens if Boston College and Temple and you know, Pitt stay on the road successfully? Syracuse? I mean, that's a bigger issue for, uh, from a Rutgers standpoint. But, no, I, I do think that, yeah, you're, uh, Texas is absolutely right. You're going to have different people, are gonna, different messages are going to resonate with them. Right. You know, I think there's some people who say, hey, this, you know, this is tremendous that you guys valued the safety and other people are going to be like, you know, football, football, football play on. So I think it remains to be seen, but I, I honestly, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal because two, three years from now, the institutional memory of how people handled the pandemic is going to be washed out because those kids are, you know, not really
1: think about it this moment right and we'll be in the next pandemic anyway so exactly okay so another a, here's a good one several people asked this one a non-football question after iowa's announcement about slaughtering non-revenue sports do you have any do you have any thoughts that's other schools to follow other implications thank you stefan in switzerland we have a I'm sorry sweden looks like a sweden swedish flag. yes it's swedish. In swedish i didn't realize we had a uh a, a Are you insider from Sweden? That makes me feel so multicultural. Hey, thanks Stefan. That's great. Thanks for, thanks for subscribing. Uh, and the other question, of course the follow-up question from someone else is, will Rutgers cut any sports? If yes, what is your guess? We've talked about this a lot. We don't think it's going to happen. Um, does the Iowa thing change it for you? Change the answer for you?
0: I do think that the Iowa thing now gives cover for the other big 10 schools to do it. Um, I, I don't think it changed anything from a Rutgers standpoint, you know. Because the other thing about the Iowa thing is, you know, people then went to, did the math. Iowa really not saving much. This is just Iowa's convenient excuse to right. get rid of four programs that they want to get rid of for a while. And I think that's I think that's the situation for a lot of these schools. I think the biggest issue I think that uh, college sports and higher education have to grapple with, and I know this is not something that you know the the, the tweed jacket crowd at Rutgers wants to hear, is that. With the exception of football and men's and women's basketball, a lot of these programs are making Rutgers money in terms of tuition. You know, look at the. the I, I someone told me the, the the rowing team at Rutgers. We're we're talking several million dollars because you've got a you know a big roster, and not everyone's got a scholarship, and those that do have only a partial scholarship, a third scholarship. So I really like. I really think that the way to kind of fix college sports out of this pandemic, the kind of reset that we're going to have, is that with the exception of the headcount sports I believe are men's, bas- you know, men's and women's basketball, uh, football, hockey, I might be missing one. Those, while the athletic department can still kind of operate them,
1: the school should be funding those programs. Right. Right, and that's and that's and that's the difference. So when the the math when you see these big deficits, in a lot of ways, the math the math doesn't work out for Rutgers as favor.
0: Yeah, I mean Iowa. You crunch the numbers if if Kirk Ferentz gave back his Outback Bowl bonus from like two years ago, like they would have been able to keep those programs going.
1: Right, right. Uh, all right. Here's a wrestling question. I know that you can fill the last you know 15 minutes with this one. It com- <laughs> comes from a very loyal reader. Uh, if there's a season, will Suriano wrestling Wrestle, and if they go all in and don't redshirt anyone. And where can they finish in the Big Ten and in the country? I mean, there's so many issues with wrestling as it is. But, I mean, assuming that uh, they figure out how to do that sport in a pandemic, what do you think?
0: So here's here's the outlook. And honestly, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces in place. You know, it, one of the big issues is um, you kind of hear conflicting things. My understanding is that the NCAA – And, you know, and, you know, USA Wrestling haven't really decided what how they're going to handle Olympic red shirts, you know, because part of the issue is that you everyone knows those guys got Olympic red shirts last year because they were training for the 2020 Olympic Games. And then obviously those did not happen. So now everything's pushed back a year. Are they going to give two Olympic red shirts? You know, a guy like Soriano, he still has a red shirt, uh, his t- traditional red shirt. So, my guess is that if if there is a season, and I think the hope that no one's come out and said it yet, but I think the hope everyone in wrestling has is the season starts, you know, right around New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and it's basically a three month sprint, and you have the national championship is scheduled in St. Louis, and then you know maybe there's fewer, eight, you know, a spots in in the bracket. And then you go into the Olympic trials in April. I think that if there is a season, but there's no one in Iraq, and I can't imagine there's going to be anybody in Iraq at this point in time, I think Nick is more likely to wrestle than Sebastian Rivera. Um, and even if both Nick and Rivera go, I, I just don't see how. Th- if Nick does – I don't think Nick would go down to 125, and I just don't see Sammy Alvarez getting down to 125, so I don't think they can get all three of them in the lineup. Uh, if they could, they could finish – they could definitely finish. You know, make a run at top four in the nation, um, you know, definitely high up in the Big Ten. But there's going to be some other loaded teams as well. So I, I might get – to the roundabout way is I think there's a lot of things – uncertain up in the air but I do think that if there's
1: a season there's a good chance that Suriano wrestles so he would wrestle even if the the trials come that closely on the heels of of the NCAA championship I mean that that would you would think he would be training in a different way for for those I mean yeah, he would still go
0: I mean, it, it, it's there's a lot of things. I mean, I think he, he would consider it, but because at the same time too, if you know, I, I was a firm believer. That I think USA Wrestling made a mistake. I think they should have still had the trials during this calendar year, especially because you know they're having um they're having a, a national you know senior national open in Iowa in October. So if you're having that sort of tournament, I don't understand why you wouldn't just have the trials in late November, December. And then those guys, whether the season starts in the first semester or starts in the second semester, the guys who don't make the Olympic team can then make a decision of, I want to go back and wrestle in college. I think it would help college wrestling, was more star power involved, and it would help those athletes to kind of have a better idea of what they're doing. I just think the issue was that there was too many uncertainties and stops and starts that USA Wrestling just said, let's just do the trials as if this was 2020 again.
1: All right. And the final question is simply red dot mystery. And if you don't know what this means, it's, and so on my Twitter feed, as I sit there, you know, looking at it, it, sen- it essentially is like, Oh, here's, here's a woman in a podium screaming at me. Oh, here's something on fire in Wisconsin. Oh, and here's, a, here's another red dot. Like this is like, I guess some, like I, don't, I can't describe it if you're not on Twitter and if you're not on Twitter, let me just praise you for, for that, for, for that, uh, I, not having that in your life all day. But, um, so the red dot thing, do you have any idea what this is? I mean, I guess there was a red dot. It looked like the Japanese flag essentially was, was on the uh, well, outside. I, the-
0: I, I, I did check in. I said, you guys playing a game in the Tokyo Dome, you know, coming up? <laughs> That's what it looked like. It really looked like- and uh, you know, you, I'm, I'm down for that. Let's go to Japan. You know, season opener next year. <laughs> uh, no, um, my understanding is it, it's some sort of rollout. Um, I think it's going to. The way it was explained to me was by the end of the week, it'll become pretty clear. I think it's, you know, we've seen them do this before. Those guys do a great job over there with the the organic buzz builds where they kind of show their hand. They did it with those birthplace of college football billboards they put up in the college football playoff cities a couple years back. Um, I think that's what's going on here. So my understanding is that this is something they're very, they think is very important and a big deal, but I, I would not expect an earth
1: shattering reveal at the end of the week. All right, so we'll that's just gonna be some suspense. Hey, something to look forward to, right? That the red dot mystery will be resolved. All right, that's all I got. You got anything else? Anything else that we forgot to talk about? All you got? All right, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon, I hope, with another edition of the Ruckers Rant. Until then, take it easy.